Hello, and welcome to the Speaking Out podcast from the New Mexico Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Our goal is to highlight our programs and the amazing work that they're doing around the state, provide discussion around the topics of domestic violence, and create an environment of education and empowerment for anyone that may be experiencing domestic violence. This week, we are spotlighting one of our member programs, Battered Family Services in Gallup, New Mexico. I have on Diane Nakai, co-BIP manager. Thank you so much, Diane, for joining us. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and then your role with the program and a little bit about Battered Families? So, let's see. I'll introduce myself in that one. So I'm saying my name is Diane. I am of the Black Sheep Clan, born for the giant people of the Red running into the Water Clan. My maternal grandfather is of the Meadow People Clan, and my paternal grandfather is of the Red cheek or red bottom people clan and that is how I am a Navajo woman the two parts I was going to share I was born in Rehoboth which is next to Gallup but I primarily grew up in Fort Defiance and Winderock Arizona which are on the Navajo Nation my family is originally from Manuelito New Mexico which is near the Arizona New Mexico border and I currently reside in Gallup with my two sons this little part is just as an explanation, but for us as Dine people, it's important to identify where we are from, both through identifying our family through our clan system, as well as where we live, where we are from, which can be stated as two different places. For each of the clans I identified, they are through the women in my family, as our people are matrilineal and matriarchal. And it's important for understanding how we address each other as Dine with familial terms and recognition of our kinship. We are a large nation and it's common to find relatives in many places. This is information I learned as I grew up on the Navajo Nation, beginning from first grade through completion of high school in the Winderock School District in 1999. I think it's important to know who we are and where we come from and especially to help our people heal and feel that they are able to find harmony with their partners and or with their families again. So in relation to that, it's always been important to me to return home and come and work for and with my people since all of our services and organizations are improved when we have workers who look like us and understand where we come from. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that about yourself and then your culture and and helping us to better understand. So I really appreciate that so much. So could you tell us a little bit about Battered Families Services and some of the services that you all offer? Okay, so Battered Family Services, we are a nonprofit community-based organization. We are based here in Gallup. We have a administrative office with our legal advocacies provided by Marinda. She also does non-residential services. We have financial assistance provided as well as housing assistance and utility assistance. 
We have our children's program. Individuals provide both outreach and one individual provides parenting classes using the circle of security curriculum. And then myself and my coworker, we run the batterer intervention program. We also have donations that we receive from the community, and we have a person currently coordinating that for us. And we provide those free to the community, so anybody can come by and get them. And there's no criteria for the donations, but for our other services, we just ask that they're experiencing domestic violence. And we have our emergency shelter. Currently, we just reopened the other shelter. So we have one that's more specific for families, and then we have one that's more geared towards individuals. And one has the 24-7 crisis line, and somebody's always responding to those calls and informing individuals. Sometimes they're calling for information. Sometimes they're trying to make a referral or individuals are wondering if there's availability because we work on a first come first serve basis. We also have someone who's doing classes at the jail, our local detention center. And that's a curriculum that she's created. Part of it is life skills and helping connect to some of those resources. And then the education of domestic violence and different topics relating to them. So I think relating to like sociology, psychology, cultural, some of the things that those who are in the facilities maybe not getting exposed to. That is so wonderful to hear about. I mean, that's just so much that you all are offering your community. So what is some of the work that you do that you're most proud of? For myself, I work with the Batterer Intervention Program primarily. Each of us, we have some background with getting trained with advocacy. For myself, I went to school for psychology and I have my degree in that from Stanford University. And being able to bring my knowledge with psychology also to our weekly group sessions the 52-week program, we have both men's and women's groups and the surrounding communities, not only Gallup, but we receive a lot of clients from the Navajo Nation. We have some from Zuni. We have some from Grants. We have had some from Acoma and Laguna in a range of ages. And helping the clients become self-aware and beginning to address some of their beliefs and attitudes and the origins of that way of thinking and becoming accountable. For us, it's a slow process. So week by week, we talk with them, they talk with each other, they listen, we listen, and we help them. Guiding with our curriculum, we use the Family Peace Initiative, and we bring in elements from other curriculums that we either receive training in or may hear about. I myself, I try to keep my learning constant and try to find whatever resources could be useful, information that could be useful to our clients. And in terms of curriculum, that's one of my focuses in trying to optimize the program. But having clients complete the program, especially when we hear and see how much progress they've made over time, it's all an individual journey and their ability to be vulnerable and acknowledge not only the hurt that they cause, but finding their own way to heal themselves is very rewarding. And I'm just thankful to be a part of it, but I know that 
it's very individual. And so however I can help in whatever way I can, not only break the cycle of violence, but help them learn new ways of being and understanding that, I'm glad to be a part of it. So how do you feel like Battered Families is different from maybe other programs across the state? I believe we receive a lot of our clients from the Navajo Nation. Gallup is a border town to the Navajo Nation, so a lot of people come here to do their shopping and sell some other stuff. And it's always been that way for, I don't know how many years, historically. And then also being on Route 66, some of our clients come from the freeway, passing through from other states. A range have come through the shelter for us in our better intervention program. We work with a lot of Native men. So I think they're a population that's sometimes forgotten or not given as much attention to. And for us as women being in the role that we are and the culture that we come from, I think that we're stronger that way. How do you feel like your program is growing or innovating? What are some things that you all are doing to grow? Overall, first I'll talk about my program. <laughs> That's what I work with first, but I put in the application for the community coordinated response application to be a focus site community. And that I think was a great idea to bring the resources from the coalition and strengthen our systemic response to our clients and not only be able to look at our policies and procedures, but get some training, think about how we can work better with each other through MOUs and structure, but also understand each other. Because like how I was saying, Gallup community and the surrounding communities, there's different jurisdictions. So that can involve different laws and different ways that people understand things. And even though there's like full faith and credit, being able to better coordinate would be so beneficial. And the whole border town culture, like us being able to, to work more together and I guess come to an understanding and kind of help address the historical trauma in the region is something that like piece by piece, bit by bit, individual by individual, relationship by relationship, family by family, and all these communities, it can easily become so much bigger. And all of us on the same team from all the different agencies, I think that would be amazing. We're so excited to have you as one of our focus sites. And I think what is so amazing is that you brought up that you have very unique challenges, like all the jurisdictions and everybody. There's so many entities to pull in together. And so it's going to be really cool to see how you guys come together and what kind of amazing things can come out of it. So we're really mm -hmm. excited. <laughs> and another one that I was also a part of creating, or we're still in the works, but creating a youth batterer intervention group. And our community services department who oversees the compliance office, one of our primary contacts there, she's been heading up a effort to create a teen court. And so as part of that, being one of the referral sources for what their participants will be able to do and benefit from 
I think that would be overall good for the numbers of domestic violence cases and helping decrease all of it. We're excited about that. And Family Peace Initiative, the curriculum, they also have a youth curriculum. I reviewed that and looking at how it was similar and how it could be applied to the younger folks. For years, I had been away from direct psychology focus, but being able to work with this and bringing some of my education here, I'm happy to do that and understanding because I have my own sons and they're around that age and thinking about all the different things that they are exposed to, how they talk about things, what they share with me and being able to reach another group of people and help educate them about domestic violence and help them understand and change it and hopefully change their future outcomes because they could benefit and hopefully share with their peers and change the culture potentially. So I'm looking forward to doing more with that. That is so cool to hear. I think we forget that these behaviors are learned. And if we're able to teach better behaviors at a young age, the outcome is going to be so much different. And then also hold each other accountable. If they're looking at their peers and their peers are like, that's not, a, that's not okay to do. That's such a great way to actually create change in culture in that age group. So I'm really excited to hear how that comes along for you guys. Ideally, where would you want your program to be in like five years, 10 years, 25 years? What are some long-term goals that you all have? I think both within our program and also within our agency, if we can build more mentorship, connecting individuals to jobs and education and housing and childcare and transportation, healthcare and safety, counseling, especially with how limited those resources are, there can be high turnover there. And in terms of barriers that victims face when they come to the shelter, they have so many hurdles. And even on our side with the offenders, some of them are homeless and some of them are looking for jobs and having those challenges because they have a record. And being able to systemically address it, but also as we first address our community and then branch out into the surrounding communities, bridging more with the Navajo Nation since we serve a lot of clients there and becoming more culturally sensitive, addressing historical trauma and multi-generational trauma, like bit by bit, we're addressing it, thinking about acculturation or assimilation and like how that affects our current today. And we see the younger generation thinking about that more, talking about it more, addressing it more in the social media community. They're becoming more vocal and being heard and like sharing this overall issue that has been with our people for so long and breaking the cycle of violence and building and strengthening equality in our relationships, reclaiming. There's different efforts to reclaim where we've come from and bring peace back to our people and community. We can resume more of our family and cultural and societal roles where healing and living harmoniously is part of the norm. Let's see, alcoholism and DV going kind of like hand in hand. There's been a big focus more on alcoholism. And so I don't think people recognize domestic violence as much as they could, but if they do, and if they did, 
and understanding more about the mental health issues and how we can help people heal in multiple ways, not only from harming themselves with the substances, but how they harm others in their relationships. And it's a big thing to do. For myself, I would like to return to school. I've thought about being a therapist because we have such a need for mental health and counseling services here, but I don't know if that will be where I go. But now that I've come to this organization and working directly in something related to my education, it's just even stronger, helps fuel the fire to share whatever I learned. I'm always hopeful, but (laughs) that's what I see in the future. That's so beautiful. And I love that optimism and that hope that things will be better in five years, 10 years, 25 years, because these problems are huge and they've been around for so long, so it can feel very daunting. So I think it sounds like you're exactly where you need to be, where you've been on this path of pulling in all the skills and knowledge that you have to really help and heal your community. So that's really fabulous to hear. So what do you think is maybe like one of the most difficult situations you all have had with helping survivors? And then what could have helped with that challenge? In terms of my program, one of the most difficult challenges in helping a survivor has been when they're on both sides, both as an offender and a survivor. For one client I can think of, as we're first getting her into the program, I don't think she realized that she was in an abusive relationship. And even oftentimes when we start working with our clients, they don't know what domestic violence is. And so oftentimes as they're learning, some will be saying, I didn't know that was abuse. And whether it speaks to it being normalized in their family or in the relationship for her, you could see the ups and downs that she experienced. So what could have helped is more information for all of us. Like not only for her as a client, we as staff, our organization, law enforcement, attorneys, judges, probation, community resources. If we were able to know more about what her situation was and then for her knowing and understanding it herself, being able to talk and open up about why she acted the way that she did has a ripple effect. And it's harder to advocate when you don't know the whole situation. And then for her, both as the offender and the survivor, like trying to help her and being limited in some cases about what we're able to do based on what policies and procedures we have, even for her being able to leave her relationship and be independent, but also having to navigate the abusive dynamics, both in herself and in her relationship. That's one (laughs) from my program. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know you kind of already mentioned some of the challenging issues that come up in your community. Was there anything that you'd like to elaborate on more than what you've already said? For me, growing up on the Navajo Nation, you hear about different things and see how people are treated when they visit the border towns. They profit from us, but we're not always at the forefront of receiving adequate services or being counted as important. All the barriers that people have to overcome, I think in the border towns, it's 
more complicated because depending on where they live in this region, there's the checkerboard area. So like squares of the map, like one could be the Navajo Nation, one could be just the state, one's the Navajo Nation, and it makes it complicated. So if law enforcement are responding to the calls, all being on the same page, because sometimes it's not recognized and people don't know because it's so big. Even for the Navajo Nation, we were educating some of the law enforcement because in our outreach, we've done some of that. Some of them don't know the law and how things apply and how resources can be brought in different ways. And it's a lot to do. <laughs> Building our network, strengthening our network, and helping our clients overcome all these barriers and supporting them the best that we can do. I think we we just go one at a time. I mean, that's all we can do. <laughs> if someone's listening to this and they're a part of your community, what could they do to help? Let's see. So one thing I think is educating ourselves and each other for knowing what domestic violence is and isn't and sharing it, advocating it as well. When we've gone to some of the outreach presentations to youth, it's interesting to see changes in some of their expressions as they understand what things are and how it relates to their life so far and trying to bring people hope and share resources because we're always on the lookout to see what's available and what we can bring and where the gaps are and talking with each other. And there's high turnover here. So in our field, we are constantly educating and re-educating each other and then trying to build that team and have a good response for our clients. But for those in the community, always the donations are good. They really do benefit. And sometimes people have received items when they're able to get into housing and they're able to get a bed, get furniture, bring some of those things to help them so they don't have to have all those costs. And we're still trying to see other ways that we can innovate and be creative in our solutions. So others, if they're able to do that as well, being able to share what's going on and be cohesive. So getting everyone to be on the same page and supporting each other is always a challenge, but it's a great thing when that happens. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how that all progresses as you guys move through the CCR process and everything. So my last question is, you mentioned the high turnover rate that exists across the board. What do you and your staff do to take care of yourselves? Is there anything that your agency instills? And then what do you like to do to take care of yourself? So overall for the organization, recently they implemented employee assistance. So being able to talk with a counselor, but it's confidential. And when we've had our meetings, we talk about how sometimes it's a lot to process. And some people, I should say, a lot of everyone who works in the agency has some experience with domestic violence in their personal lives. 
being able to address their own issues and understand what's theirs and what's in the situation and maybe not be too triggered by it or whatever. But I think that is a good support from the agency and they have an open door policy. So our clinical director, she's always available to speak with and our executive director, if we want to speak with them about whatever, we can bring up our issues or just talk and they're available. And then for me, myself, I have a lot of things and outlets that I have. So like creative outlets, I play music, I have art, I do cooking, I'll watch TV or spend time with my sons and my family and play games and go hiking and exercise and connect with my friends when I can. But I think everyone here, they do different parts of that and even have some of their own methods of self-care. That's so great. So whenever you say play music, do you play instruments or what do you play? I play the piano. Oh, wonderful. That's so great. Thank you for sharing all of that about yourself. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and tell us a little bit about Battered Family Services. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we sign off today? I consider myself a lifelong learner. So I learn, I grow, I share, I teach. I try to connect to everybody here and just support in the best way I can. My overall goal is to help be a part of the restoration of balance and the healing, as they say, which is our people. So my heart's here and I'm like how you said, I feel like I'm meant to be here and I'm where I'm meant to be. And I'd like to be here as long as I can and help whoever I can and support our team and build and grow and just bring that peace. So I'm happy to be here. We're so happy that you are here. And thank you so much for your dedication and for all the work that you're doing for your program, but also the community that you serve. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. Thank you. I was glad to do so. (laughs) We want to thank our programs that work tirelessly across the state to support those affected by domestic violence. Each and every staff member, advocate, therapist, and supporter is important. We appreciate you. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, there is help available. Please call the hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233 or visit their website on a safe device at www.thehotline.org. Love our conversations? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and share our podcast. You can submit questions and feedback to Rochelle at nmcadv.org. Thanks for listening in.